Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about the top HR trends for 2021. Um, We thought that it might be good to do a little recap of um, some of the things that we've been thinking about, talking about, and things that we think are going to be really important for moving forward in the future um, as we take on another year along with our HR professionals in our hive. Yes, exactly. So this will be one of our little mini-sodes. We'll talk about these trends and we'd love to hear your thoughts afterwards too. Like what trends are you seeing? And now that we're into February of 2021, I feel like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? I feel like everything can change in a second. But <laughs> Very true. Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like, I feel like we have a sense of the cadence of the year a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, last year, February, probably said something like that similar to that. And then March hit and we all last hit year, in our February, <laughs> that would be wild to listen back to that. Those episodes, to be honest, we were probably like, this year's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was just like giant, like womp womp music. I know. Um, but so yeah, true. but now I feel like, OK, it feels like we have a little bit of a better idea of how things might unfold. But HR and People management this year took a huge blow. There's so much that has changed since um, last February in terms of how companies are operating, functioning, how people are thinking about managing people, and you know, also just the the new ways of working that have been instituted across the board. Kind of whether companies wanted to embrace those before last year or not they have um, and that will have repercussions moving forward for how companies think about people management and wellness as well as you know what is going to come from that in the immediate future. Yeah so much has changed and I think that these trends are gonna probably resonate with most of you as you're listening and thinking about like what has changed for you and what maybe are some of your pain points right now. Um, So why don't we dive in? Why don't we start talking about them? Yeah. So the first trend that uh, we're going to talk about today has to do with the fact that everybody is uh, or almost everybody who worked in an office job before um, is now working remotely. And so a large percentage of the workforce is now working from home. And while companies used to think a lot about what their building looked like and what people's offices looked like and the kind of things that people had access to within their offices in order to feel comfortable and to be productive and putting a lot of time and energy into thinking about the physical space that their office embodied, Now, a lot of those physical spaces are sitting empty and companies are having to think differently about how to encourage employees to create inviting and productive workspaces, but remote in their own homes. And so this has kind of blown up how people think about um, what and how they create productive working environments for people because they have to sort of bring the work environment to their employees as opposed to having their employees come to them. Yeah, it's a really interesting trend because employers that already had remote workforces probably were providing stipends and doing some things to help um, those remote employees set up. But then all of a sudden, a lot of employers that did not have remote 
a remote workforce had to suddenly transition, right? And so I think probably those initial transition phases, there wasn't a ton of support in creating a good space. It was like, oh my gosh, does everyone have a laptop? Do they have a charger? Are we set up in that way? You know, like the basics. And now that things have kind of moved into a, a more steady state, if you will, I think it's really important for employers to take a step back and think, okay, well, what can we do to make sure that our employees are set up in the best possible way? And not just like best in terms of they have the technology they need, but also best in terms of creating a space where people can focus, can people can feel productive um, and feel engaged and excited to go into that workspace, right? So I think I've been seeing at least some organizations really focusing in on these stipends, like those that haven't had them before are now implementing stipends for remote work. Um, you know, there's a, the ability to request certain uh, materials or things that you want in your space. So whether it's desk chairs or what have you. Um, but I think that's a big trend is trying to help, you know, trying to see what employers are going to do next in terms of helping employees create that right environment. Yeah. Like it'll be interesting to see, you know, our company is going to invest in, um, you know, as part of people's startup packages, are you going to get uh, an office chair sent to your house or a stipend for an office chair, right? Like, are you going to be able to, um, you know, I've seen some companies that are sending out standing desks um, or are giving at least like platforms that people can set up. There are these like wood um, sort of like multi-piece that you can construct that can hold like a laptop and other stuff that you would need to do your work where you can set it up on a flat surface and, um, you know, use it as you're standing to work and then you can disassemble it and take it down when you're done standing and want to sit back down again. So there's like different products that are coming out now that help facilitate um, you know, remote work and still having like an ergonomic type of space. Um, I'm also seeing companies doing some with onboarding where, um, you know, maybe when you got onboarded, people used to, you know, engage in some rituals, you know, they would take you to lunch and they might give you a t-shirt or a hat or whatever. And like kind of all that went by the wayside. And now I'm seeing companies ship things like uh, shipping welcome packages that have like some branded stuff in there and uh, maybe some things to set up like a home desk or a little plant or, you know, something that helps mm -hmm. people to make their office feel more like home. Um, even though they are at home, your office at home may not feel like an office. Uh, it might feel like, you know, a place where you've kind of set up a makeshift whatever and people really want you to feel like you're in a working space that's going to be productive and like okay this is a this is a comfortable nice working space for me so I think that um I'm also seeing companies do things where they're sort of sending employees stuff that can help them to uh get better set up I love, yeah, I love all of that. I've definitely seen some of that too. And I actually saw, this is gonna be the most extreme trend, I think. I saw an employer that is giving out $1,000 for your setup, for your at-home office setup. And then they're doing an annual stipend of $1,000. So it's like when wow. you first get hired. And then from then on out, every year that you're working remote, you get another $1,000 to, I don't know, upgrade your screens or monitors wow. or... I know. I was like, wow, that's a big stipend. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like I would just change the paint in my room every right. year or <laughs> <Really> something. <laughs> make things spruced up. I think the idea is so that you also get like some funds for the 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 snacks and things that you normally would have in an office. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, here's some money. Like you can use it for, I don't know, buy yourself 
a bunch of cases of Perrier or whatever you would normally drink in the office. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a cute idea, but it's definitely I- expensive. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing some of that too, that um, companies are paying for like sending out like um, free coffee, like things like that, because you know, that is stuff that, I mean, we're going through so much more coffee in the house than we were pre pandemic. Like we get, you know, a, we have a set amount of coffee that we buy every month and it always lasts us to the end of the month. And now it's lasting us like two and a half weeks. Like we're like doubling the amount of coffee that we're drinking. So that's like a silly thing, but it is a cost, right? It's like doubling your cost of something. And so I think Mm -hmm. some companies are trying to be proactive thinking about like, what did you used to get as a perk of working here that we're no longer paying for, right? They're no longer paying for the coffee that's in the office. So how can they sort of take some of the money that they used to spend on creating an employee experience in the office and think about reallocating it to creating or making that employee feel more comfortable at home. Yeah. I think it's a great use of funds, especially like you said, if they're saving money um, in the office, then why not use it to, to help employees still feel engaged and like excited that, Hey, you're looking out for them and you want to provide them with some snacks and drinks and fun things while they're at home too. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's awesome. And speaking of working remotely, another one of our trends is that people are really looking for unique ways to sort of overcome the isolation that folks experienced during COVID and to figure out how to creatively drive community and interpersonal connections while people are working remotely. Yeah, this is a big one because we know that you can get to know your coworkers really easily if you're in the office, right? You have lunches together, you know, water cooler talk, whatever that like stereotype (laughs) is. But um, remotely, it's a little bit more challenging. And I actually wrote a piece about this, I think, early on in Worker Being's life. But um, because I've been working remote for so long, but, and, you know, honestly, we did happy hours via web for years which is funny that now it's like such a overdone thing with the pandemic um I thought we were so creative and cool now like everyone's doing it um but on that note like how can you build networks across teams that are not your own how can you create an environment where you have coworkers to support you that are not necessarily the person that you're talking to because of a project, right? So trying to think creatively and how to create that connection and and how to do that without necessarily having to be on webcam all the time too because you know people are getting exhausted of that. So yeah. things like, you know, I've seen um I've seen some fun lunch things, right? Where people actually get their lunches and sit together at their computers and eat their lunches, which is, that's a web one. But I've also seen people take walks together at lunch Mm -hmm. where they're just chatting and they're on the phone and taking a walk. Um, So then you're getting out in nature and then you're also connecting with somebody where you can't, you know, take notes and (laughs) do work. You're able to just chat about whatever. So I think there's a lot of creative ways that people are coming up with. And I think it's going to be a continuous trend is how do you build a culture where people can work together effectively and still feel very connected to each other when you're not physically together? Yeah. It's like all of these things that, you know, kind of used to happen more organically, like, you know, mentorship or sponsorship in the workplace. Like now you might have to, like you're saying, instead of, okay, let's go grab coffee. You might have to say, 
let's take a sponsorship stroll. And like we have a sponsorship stroll once a week and we both go for a walk as we're talking and try to figure out, you know, what, what you need and what kind of advice or guidance you're looking for or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, turning some of these activities into things that are more scheduled because people are going to have to be more conscious about building them into the schedule because they will happen less organically. You're not going to run into somebody in the hallway. Um, so taking time to actually set aside on the calendar for mentorship meetings or even just manager one-on-one meetings, whatever the case may be. But I like your point about not making it something that's unenjoyable like you don't want people to then dread like oh my gosh I have all these things going on today and now I have to do this on top of it and you know I need to you know run around and pick up you know stuff my kids left out or I have to you know go take care of something in the house or whatever I have to fold laundry whatever's going on because everybody's meshing together work and life these days even more um that you know you're not thinking like and now I have to be on camera and I look have to look presentable until seven o'clock instead of until five o'clock or whatever so just being more flexible in terms of how you connect but being more conscious and structured about when you connect because it could slip through the cracks easily I agree I think the scheduling piece is so critical is having something on your calendar and if it's you know flexible that's fine right like I have some touch bases with people that I work with that aren't a formal anything, right? And what we do is, okay, well, sometimes a client thing comes up. We have to move it. That's fine. It's a casual thing, but it's still there every single week. So if we push it one week, not a big deal. The next week we'll connect. So we're able to just keep a cadence that's good, but flexible for what we need. Um, And one other thing that happened that was really fun for me um, in the workplace with like networking connection is we've started a book club. Um, so a team of us, we have a book club that we meet once a quarter. So it's not like super frequent and also not a lot of stress to have to read a book very quickly. Um, and it kind of started honestly as like a, a way for the team to learn more about like diversity, equity, inclusion topics. Mm -hmm. Um, so the team was just really interested. I mean, my team is super white, so (laughs) we're just very (laughs) interested in learning more. There was a lot of people on the team that are not you know, familiar with the content area. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I basically organized this book club, but it's become really fun. And there was one Friday that we had our book club meeting and I had accidentally scheduled it on a Friday before a long weekend. And so usually um, at at Infor, what they do is they'll do a half day on Friday if Monday's off, right? So it was like, Mm. it was actually for um, MLK Jr. So it was Friday would have been half day, MLK's off. So I was like, oh, well, people are probably going to want to reschedule because I accidentally scheduled it right after lunch, um, not realizing the half day thing. And I sent out a note to everybody and every single person still wanted to join. Wow. Even though it was after work hours. And That's so, cool. yeah. So like, and everyone's like, well, we could just bring a beer this time instead of just like tea or coffee. Right. And so everyone still joined and we had a really great book club meeting Um technically when we didn't have to be hanging out together so I think some of those things can be really fun and it was it's great because we're able to have conversations that are I mean they're still very meaningful and um in our personal lives and obviously in our work lives to some extent but they have nothing to do with our actual jobs so Mm -hmm. it's been really fun yeah I think that's a really great example because it's it's not just about taking conscious time to talk about work-related stuff it's also like okay and normally we would be having like 
you know, maybe a holiday party or we would be having lunch together or we would be seeing each other at client meetings or whatever the case may be. We're not doing that anymore. So we're not having any of the time to socialize that we used to have. So it's not just about, you know, are we actually connecting enough that you're getting what you need to feel engaged with your job and like you're being developed appropriately, all that kind of stuff. But it's also like we need time to sort of unwind and connect. And I think because people are so um, are looking for so much connection, you know, that kind of a fun activity that is not so pressureful probably feels nice as like a release for people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that the fact that everybody showed up, even though it was outside work hours kind of speaks to the idea that people want to connect and are looking for potentially like some more levity in their work lives with how tough the past year has been. So just having some time to just like not worry about tactical things and just connect Mm -hmm. on a more personal level is probably going to be important moving forward this year too, to like unload and like unwind from a year that's been so stressful. I think the impacts from an interpersonal perspective will continue to unfold over the course of this year and next year uh, because I think, you know, we're just starting to like come out of it and then it's when you come out of it that you're like, oh my gosh, I miss so much. I want to catch up, you know? Totally. I totally agree. I think you're right. I think people are are waiting for it and wanting it and it'll be interesting to see kind of how things change as we come out of all this. I, well, this is like a whole sidebar, but I've been thinking about it a lot. It's like, are we going to go back to doing the same activities that we were before? Right. Or are we going to forget some of these things? Like Danny today was like, uh, what did he say? Oh, he, he said something about escape rooms and he asked, he's like, do you think escape rooms will still be a thing when we come back from all this? <laughs> and I was like, I would think so. And he's like, but like, I'm really afraid that people are going to forget about escape rooms. And I was like, I don't think people are going to forget about escape rooms. <laughs> Like, there's still probably going to be a thing, but he's just imagining, (laughs) he's imagining all of them are going to go out of business and then he's going to have no escape rooms and no one's going to remember to make one. And I was like, that's not going to happen. But (laughs) yeah, but I also think like that's just because right now everyone feels like their life like is an escape room (laughs) that I feel like after that feeling kind of wears off and also it's a fun activity for groups, which I think won't go out of style. I mean, if everything goes goes out of style and no one or they all go out of business and no one thinks to open a new one, Danny can always open one himself and be the <laughs> the reinventor, the reinvigorator of the escape room. <laughs> yes, that's very true. But anyways, I'm going on to our next set of trends. So, those first two were really around um working remotely and, you know, all the challenges that we're facing there. Um, and I guess these next two kind of are related, but shifting to like more of a work life um, experience, if you will. So one thing that actually you just recently wrote about Katina was about work life enrichment. Mm-hmm. Um, so this trend of, you know, we can't avoid the fact that our work and our lives are oftentimes in the same place. Again, if you're working in an office and now you're working at home, so if you're working your life in the same place, how can you let those two different things enrich each other versus conflict with each other and create challenges? Why can't we make them both work well together in a harmonious way? So I think a trend is going to be about trying to leverage the fact that everything's in one place to make it more enriching. Yeah, I agree. And I think this idea of balance, I mean, one of the reasons why it's difficult for balance to work 
in a setting like this is because when you think about balance, you're like, okay, did I do enough work activities and enough life activities in today that I feel it in this day that I feel like one's not overwhelming the other. Right. And I think that when your work and your life are together in such a a close quarters and a lot of folks are managing kids that are home from school or homeschooling. And so like, it's, kind of impossible to have that much jurisdiction over your day anymore I think and so um so it's been I think difficult for people to be like oh today was balanced then it can start to be stressful like oh I'm out of balance like I'm bad at this I'm not too right so like mm-hmm. focusing on the idea that you need to have like a uh this okay I did this many work tasks and this many life tasks and that's the balance that I like and I didn't let the work slip into life or life slip into work too much that might be a little stressful for people actually because that's hard to do under these circumstances and so I think the idea of enrichment is really helpful because it's like okay I may not do I may do more of one thing than I thought I would do in any given day because an emergency popped up and like I couldn't avoid it because I'm here in this space right like um I have to take care of it and um it's something that that I need to do um but I can say okay well even if I didn't feel balanced today the fact that I showed up and was a good parent to my kids or a good spouse to my partner or a good friend to somebody whatever the case may be right to my roommate or whoever um that what that skill that I demonstrated how does that help me actually become better at my job so did it give me a needed break that um helped me to come back to my job more energized did it help me recognize a skill that I have like oh wow I'm actually a really good listener and I give really good advice or I'm really good at handling emergencies or whatever the case may be right that you can start to think okay what was it about that activity that I just engaged in that actually help is helping me to continuously grow skills that I can p- apply on the job or vice versa? What am I doing in my job? Even if I'm feeling like kind of guilty that I spent a lot of time today ignoring everyone in my family, even though they were wanting my attention because I really had to get something done for work. What is it that I learned while I was doing that, that I can then take and apply back to the family sphere? So I think the idea is that we may not be able to strike a balance right now and people are starting to realize that, but if we can focus on the positive things that we can bring from one domain to another, it shifts your focus in a way that doesn't make you feel badly or as stressed about counting how many things that I do or how many things that I do over there, but rather like what on the whole am I getting better at taking all things into consideration. And I think it's also important to not think about balance within a day as thinking about all of that more broadly. So I think it kind of applies to this, right? It's one day you might be working a lot longer hours and the next day you might be able to take some less, you know, work hours and do something with your family. Um, But thinking about all the, the positive and how you can influence both realms, I think is huge. So just imagine how much more positive that long work day can be if something that you've gained in that work day can then translate to the time that you have with your family. Like maybe it's like you said, like you learn some skill that's really useful or you have an interesting story that you can go and share with your partner or, you know, even just purely the fact that your work is funding your life is helpful, right? So remembering how your work is enriching your actual life, your personal life, and then how your personal life can help with your work too. So, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe work sometimes can be a break from what you're doing at home. Like sometimes there's a lot going on and you need to step away from, 
from your home responsibilities for a minute and get into your work groove and you feel like you're competent in that space can help you feel competent in the next space. So there's just a lot of positives if you're doing well, if you're feeling good in both, right? So trying to translate, like be grateful for what you're doing, thinking about the good things that are happening in both spaces and let that influence the other space, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that the more that companies can shift employees focuses, I mean, a lot of the conversation in companies right now is around balance because that's something that made a little bit more sense before when people were able to carve more clear boundaries. But I think as companies are moving into thinking about and as as HR professionals are thinking about how do we create um, messaging that helps our employees to feel better about their work and family, just prompting people to think about the ways that these two domains are enriching each other can help shift people into a mindset where they start to feel less distressed and they're recognizing more of the synergies between the two areas as opposed to the conflicts between them. So um, if you're an HR person out there and you're listening, maybe start talking a little bit more about enriching um, as opposed to other forms of work and family interactions. Yeah, and I think that actually ties in really nicely to our next trend, which is about flexible time. So, both, you know, if you're thinking about from an organizational perspective as a company, what are you going to do to help people enrich both their work and their life to not feel this conflict, but really to feel like they're, you know, more whole with both domains in their in their house. <laughs> um when you think about flexibility, that's a big piece of it, right? Like I mentioned, maybe some days you work longer hours and the next day you work fewer hours and that's okay. And letting that be okay and having organizations view that as okay, I think is huge. So this next trend is really about not only are we now working from flexible places, right? The, the location of your work is flexible. Now the focus needs to be on the flexible time. So we've talked a ton about this, right? We talked about four day work weeks and, you know, all sorts of flexible schedules and things like that before. And I think that trend is continuing to grow and grow because now that people are at home, they might have other things that come up that they might need to deal with in the moment and employers are having to be adaptable to that and okay with that to some degree. And I feel like they're hopefully leaders are starting to notice that, oh, you know, someone being at home and like taking 20 minutes to, I don't know, feed their child lunch um, is not actually going to completely derail their work performance. So I'm hoping that all of this is going to keep moving employers in the direction where they're comfortable providing flexible time to their team members versus having very strict schedules. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. And also like allowing people to kind of claim what hours they will be working so that it's not like it doesn't turn into a, oh, like we allow you to work at any time. So we want you to work all the time kind of thing, but actually still setting boundaries around those hours, but claiming those hours. So like, you know, today I'm going to be working from this time to this time, this time to this time. And it all adds up to be enough time that you're getting your work done, but that people know like, okay, if it's between noon and one, you know, that's when this person is helping their kids get set up with lunch, get, you know, helping them transition from their online classroom to eating back to their classroom, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit different now as well um, with kids home and also with just, you know, balancing working from home that starting at 
nine o'clock if your kid's school also starts at nine o'clock may not be like the most convenient time to be getting yourself set up and ready to go because you're like setting them them up at the same time you're setting yourself up right so um <laughs> so you might want to start at 9 30 or something like that you know uh mirroring your kid's schedule for example or maybe you want to get started super early so that when your kids are done at three you're done at three so like there's a lot of different things that I think people are messing around with in terms of their schedule right now and what people are recognizing is like oh wow the world's not ending people are working the hours that are convenient for them they're still getting done what they need to get done if anything people are demonstrating that you know people are working one hour more per day on average I saw a study saying since uh COVID occurred and not that we should be striving for that but I think employers are learning that oh this idea that if people aren't right in front of me and working a nine to five exactly they're not they're gonna weasel out of work hours I think what people are actually finding is like oh my gosh people are actually prone to work even more than we thought we might have to like actually try to figure out ways to get them to take breaks right Mm -hmm. so um, I think that that old adage of like if I can't see you you're probably goofing off has gone a little bit out the window and now it's like okay how do we allow how do we trust people and allow them to create schedules that work for them and know that they're still going to get done what they need to get done yeah I'm really grateful that that's starting to shift because I think that's such an old school and almost like I don't know it makes people more childish than they are like we're all adults like people understand they need to get their work done in order to get paid and have their jobs like There's a level of responsibility that adults can take. And so it's good to see that people are, I mean, it's, they were forced into it. There's, I mean, I know a lot of people worked remotely time to time anyways, and I've been working remote for a million years, but, um, you know, for the leaders that couldn't let go and there's so many of them, I'm hoping this is like a awakening that, you know, it's okay for people to be at home and not be seen by you and maybe not be even online at the exact same hours as you, but still get their stuff done. Um, And again, I think the working at home piece really forces that flexibility because you've got, let's say you have, I don't know, a pipe burst, right? So you have something happen in the house and the person that's going to come and help you in the house is going to be someone that's like literally physically coming into your house and therefore probably disrupting your time. So you know, it used to be when people were working in the office in really strict environments, people would have to take a time off or whatever to go and be there or leave a key with the neighbor, a landlord, whatever, um, to get that person to the house. But now it's like you could take that hour to get the person in the house. And if it's really loud, you just don't take calls during that time. And, and I think that people are starting to just wake up to the fact that that doesn't actually mean you don't get work done that day. Right, like you right. can still function. So anyways, I think that's a big trend. I think we're going to see a lot more around flexible time, flexible schedules, and I'm excited to see where it's going to lead. Yeah, me too. Um, and so we have come to our last trend before we give like a bonus trend. And that's a place that we've been working a lot in um, the space of um, for a while now. And that is around diversity and inclusion. But the trend that we're going to talk about is companies being ready to take diversity and inclusion to the next step and start really talking about and investing in equity and conversations around social justice. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of companies have done a decent amount of work around training their employees to know what diversity is and to drive, um, you know, cultures that are more inclusive than they have been in the past. But now we really need to see companies stepping up to say, okay, 
from a structural perspective, what is it in our company that's actually producing inequities? How are we select? How are we recruiting people? How are we selecting people? How are we appraising people's performance? How are people getting promoted? Like, how are people moving throughout our organization? Where are the inequities sitting? How are people getting paid? Right, like uh, compensation related inequity. Like, a lot of companies, I think, before were able to continue to utilize practices that actually produced and reproduced inequities in their company. And then they took diversity and inclusion initiatives and kind of laid them over those things and said, well, this kind of makes it, you know, we're going to learn about this. We're going to try to do what we can, but we're not going to address the big systemic things. And I think based on all of the, you know, social justice movements that, um, you know, were happening over the course of the last several years and then sort of this culmination over the summer of 2020 of companies really recognizing that, you know, the time to ignore these things has passed, like customers and um, employees are asking them to pay attention to these things that they're not just looking at and, and employees are not just looking at, hey, what kind of diversity training do you have? They're looking at how equitable is the environment that we're in and companies are going to, I think really have to look themselves in the mirror and, and make and have tough conversations and make tough calls around how they, their practices need to change. I agree. I think that's definitely the next step, right? We're seeing that this whole diversity conversation and even inclusion conversation has fallen somewhat flat because people will do these trainings or they'll just do something to like address that this is a concern but then they'll not look at the hard stuff the actual systemic problems so looking at you know okay once you've exposed everyone to the idea of diversity and inclusion what's next you know if you don't change any of the systems nothing changes even if everybody at the company is bought into um you know what being an inclusive employer and having diversity that doesn't make it better if you're not noticing where the underlying systems have challenges and where those biases lie so I think this is huge I think this is long overdue um but I'm glad that the conversations are being pushed in that direction and I'm gonna put you on the spot for a second because I have a question for you yeah um have you been seeing the trend of including the term belongingness in hmm. the letters have you seen that the de uh, what are they saying dei and b i have not seen including belongingness that's sort of interesting to me mm-hmm. um because and this is a very like academic answer i think but like um when we look at how inclusion is uh most commonly defined in the literature it's actually defined as making people feel as if they belong, but also recognizing and honoring people's uniqueness, which I actually don't love that definition of inclusion. And I'm working on a project right now that's trying to actually push back on that definition of inclusion. But it's kind of interesting to me that belongingness would be seen as outside of inclusion because traditionally it's been thought of as like part of it. I, that, that's been my reaction as well. So I'm interested to see what, that trend leads to because I don't fully understand the difference between belongingness and inclusion. Um, Mm. But it's something that I just, I saw randomly and I was like, this is really interesting. Like why, where did the term, why did this term get, you know, tacked onto everything? Um, Because I do think obviously being belonging is really important. And one thing that we always talk about is how, 
you know, if you just bring in a bunch of diverse candidates, but there's no inclusion and no one knows how to effectively integrate people within a team and you have like a really unsafe environment, that's not going to help you in any way. You have to have that inclusion, that belongingness, that psychologically safe environment first, and then you bring in the diversity. And obviously while this is all happening, you need to be focusing on the equity of your systems. But the belonging, anyway, so this whole like idea of adding belongingness, I just am curious as to where it came from and I'm curious yeah. as to what how it's being defined as different than inclusion, but I just wanted to point that out as another piece. So I think yeah. it's, I wonder if it, there's something, I don't know if it's like a pop trend, I don't know where, I've just yeah. seen it on like LinkedIn and stuff. So I wonder if there's kind of like a lack of understanding of inclusion the way we know it and that's mm-hmm. where this is coming from. Yeah. But anyways... That was just an interesting thought too. That's super interesting. I'd be curious to hear about that. And sometimes I feel like um, trends in the diversity and equity and inclusion space get introduced because people get like term fatigue. Like like they start to have like, oh, I went to an inclusion training and it was really bad. I don't want to talk about inclusion. Or I went to a diversity training. It was horrible. Like I don't want to talk about diversity, right? Like they have like a bad experience or there's a history. Like the term becomes like loaded. So I wonder if there's like something about that, that people are like moving away from like maybe inclusions becoming a loaded term and people are moving towards belongingness, even though they kind of mean the same thing. I don't know. But what I will say is uh, if anybody listening understands the distinction, we would love to hear it. Um, But yes, I think, I think companies right now have been trying to take like a cake that has kind of gross ingredients and put icing on it with diversity and inclusion trainings. (laughs) And I think that people are starting to point out like this cake is gross it doesn't matter what icing you put on it. We see that the cake's no good. You need to throw out the cake and rebake it or else, you know, we're, we're going to go eat someone else's cake. Right. And that's what (laughs) I think has been happening in companies is that, you know, people are really asking companies like, what are the, what are the ingredients? How'd you bake the cake? And does the core of what you're doing actually align with what you're putting on the icing? Right. And so I think, that's what people are looking for and companies are going to really have to think hard about how to change their systems from the inside out. I completely agree. I think it's it's just long overdue. So I am happy that the conversations are getting bigger and broader and hopefully longer. <laughs> yes. And long lasting. So um, yeah, but it's a huge trend. Um, I actually don't even like using the term trend necessarily for this one. Yeah, true. Um, I hope it becomes less of a top listed trend and more of just a, a good business practice that sticks around yeah, forever but totally anyways good call. that is our final one but we did have a bonus trend which we talked about or Katina you mentioned so yes. our bonus trend and actually you've been seeing more of this so I'm gonna let you introduce it well I've just been seeing little like hints that people are starting to think more about physical health and incorporating like movement breaks into the day. Um, I literally was just reading. It was horrible. So I've been having like all this back pain since COVID started. I don't know if anybody else has been having these issues, but like I've just been like sitting more in a chair that is like not a chair that I would have picked if I knew I was going to be sitting this long in the chair, but like it's Mm -hmm. the chair that we have and I just need to get a new chair probably, but I just haven't done that. But like so my back's been hurting a lot and I've been like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with my back and like feeling like I'm falling apart. And so Brendan gave me this article and he was like, look, I want to show you this. Like, you're not alone. There's nothing like 
like more wrong with you than anybody else. Like everybody's having all these health problems during COVID. And I was like, oh, cool. So then I opened it up and like literally the article was like, it started off with stuff that you would like normally think, you know, people's backs hurt, their eyes hurt from looking at screens a lot. Um, You know, people are getting like carpal tunnel stuff because they're typing, you know, messages more instead of like verbalizing their messages, Um, like all this stuff. But then it was like, it was literally the longest article in the world. And it was like, it was just like, and people's like, like stomachs are hurting because they're eating more processed foods and people's like glutes are hurting because they're sitting too long and people's legs are like atrophying because they're not walking (laughs) and people's feet are harmed because they're not wearing shoes and people's hairs falling out and their skin is dry and they're getting acne and they're depressed and they have anxiety and I was like oh my god like everything on every person has just broken during COVID so um but the point that I was thinking about in reading that article was like, okay, so, you know, what are companies doing about that? And then I started paying attention to, um, some of the things or thinking about some of the things that I've been seeing companies start to do more of. Like, um, I know you and I, Patricia have those fluid stance boards. Um, Mm. and I've seen like an uptick in companies, like giving out stuff like that, like get there. It's like a board that you stand on for people listening that don't know that like moves a little bit when you're standing on it. So you get some extra motion in your day. I'm seeing like some companies like probably the same ones that have like the thousand dollar stipend or whatever. But I saw an article about a company that was giving walking, um, like treadmills, like under the desk treadmills to, um, their employees for calls. And they're expecting that, you know, if you join a call and you've been, and you're walking, like that's becomes normative. You don't have to feel weird. Um, like standing desks and things like that, that, um, companies are providing, um, or even just like, you know, at the start of every meeting, everybody keeps their cameras off or at some meetings throughout the day, you keep your cameras off in the first five minutes. Like you're supposed to stretch while you're getting ready for the meeting. So even like low cost options where people are thinking more about, um, how do we incorporate more movement and being just conscious about the fact that people are likely sitting a lot more than they used to. And that maybe we should start a few meetings a day with, encouraging people to move around or like you mentioned before maybe we should take some meetings walking instead of having to be on camera if we don't have to be on screens then let's not be on screens and let's encourage movement or let's send stuff that helps people to move more so we're just seeing like little snippets of this but I think like it could become a bigger deal as people become more um like upset or more in pain because they've just (laughs) been like more sedentary Yeah, I mean, I think there's always been, like, the perks that you would see in the offices, right? Like, you can take a yoga class or, you know, you get your gym membership um, reimbursed and things like that. But, you know, with gyms being closed in some places and um, obviously you can't have a yoga class in the office if no one's going in the office. So I've seen, like... um, and personally, I've seen some, like, products and, like, coupons for things. And um, we had probably over the summer I think it was where different in-four employees would like record a class so they like if I was also a yoga instructor while working at in-four I would do a record a yoga class and it was like up on the shared site with every for everybody to see so people have done like little things like that but it's still different than I think the trend that you're talking about where it's really more about little movements and like yeah. the because now we're missing the walking to the water cooler and the lunchroom and to a meeting. So there's like little steps, like it's not a ton of movement, definitely not enough to count as exercise, but it's still like something versus just sitting. If you have back-to-back meetings, you may not 
get up except for maybe to squeeze in a bathroom break right. um, all day long. And you're just sitting the entire time. So it's like, I, I agree. I think that there's going to be something that are a little bonus trend because it's not a huge trend yet, but I think it's going to get there where there's going to be some push to get people to like, just stand up out of their desk, even yeah. if they have back to back meetings. Yeah, I agree. Or even just like, you know, walking to the parking lot. I was thinking about it that, you know, okay, I used to go in the office three or so times a week. I worked from home the other two days and I walked to the train every day and back. And that was like, you know, three quarters of a mile to the train. Then you're on the train. Then you're walking from the train station to your office. Now you're going, you know, into your office building, up to your office, you go to get a coffee, you're walking out of your office, going downstairs, like walking a few blocks of the coffee shop, coming back, right? Like all that stuff that's just, that was just like part of the day, probably by the end of a regular day um, in the office, I'm walking like three or something miles, right? Um, mm -hmm. That now you're just not. So, right. and you're, and that's probably partially why my back is hurting, to be honest. But, um, but, yeah, it's like I think those kinds of things that people are all of a sudden like the accumulation is starting to hit people and they're like, oh, man, like my arm hurts, my foot hurts. I don't know. My hair's falling out. Like the, this article was crazy. It was like saying every <laughs> everything on your body's just going to fall off. Like, um, but um, but, you know, I think people are starting to notice that and probably managers and leaders are also noticing in themselves that that's happening. And so mm -hmm. I, this is probably, this is something that, you know, affects everybody kind of equally in some senses, right? If you're, if you have this kind of job. So I'm, I'm guessing it's on people's radar. It's starting to get to be on people's radar because like even the CEO's back's going to hurt, right? Like that's going to be <laughs> something that happens. Um, so we'll see, but I hope that people start to think about it a little bit more because um, we need a little more movement, I think. I agree. Totally agree. Um, well, I think that wraps up our trends. And it's actually funny because I started saying this is going to be a mini-sode and now we're like over 45 minutes. So clearly we don't know how to do a mini-sode. No. We're talking about trends because we get excited about them. <laughs> yes. There was, well, we had, we also had six, technically six trends. So, you know, each one of those, those little babies needed its own time. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So, Either way, I think this is a good discussion. I think this is really interesting to see what's going to happen throughout the year, how all these different areas are going to evolve. Um, so I'm excited. And I think there's, you know, that silver lining, which I know I hate when people say the silver lining to the pandemic, but realistically, there is potential for us to come out of it where the work world has changed in a positive direction, where people are able to be more flexible with their work, be able to work all over the place, different times, integrate their work and life better um, because we've been forced to do some of this and hopefully we can move things in the right direction. Totally. I completely agree. If we can't look at even bad, if we can't look at bad situations with a little bit of positivity, then all we have is just like despair and like hopelessness. So and feet we need falling to be able, off. <laughs> our, yes. Our teeth are falling out. Our ears are <laughs> crumbling. I don't know. But, um, but yes, I agree with you and we hope that you enjoyed our trends. And if you have other trends that you want to share, we're happy to hear those as well. Yes. Please let us know. Feel free to contact us uh, via email at contact at workerbeing.com. You can also find us on our website, which is workerbeing.com and on social media. So we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at workerbeing. Thanks for listening. 
Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.